Melissa. This is 30 Over 30, the success and stereotypes conversation with wise words from women for other women. Welcome to another episode of 30 Over 30. Today I have with me Celia Poole. She is the founder of Dame, a company that produces organic cotton tampons, completely hypoallergenic, pH neutral and biodegradable. So I'm just going to pass over to you, Celia, to tell us a little bit more about yourself, what you do and the whole, I guess, philosophy behind your product and your company. Sure. So um, first of all, thanks for having me on. And yeah, basically we started Dame. I started it with my co-founder, Alec, um, a few years ago. And and actually we started it for a very different reason. We initially wanted to offer women in the UK more convenience and more choice around the menstrual products that they used. And this meant us setting up a subscription service where people could pick and personalize the mix and match that they wanted for them because we knew that not every woman used the same items. Yeah. But what spun out of there was that we just saw these products that the majority of the population use and we just realized quite how much rubbish is in them yeah. and not just that but quite how much rubbish they produce and it was then that we thought okay well we we can't continue doing this we just don't believe in these products anymore we we want to do something that's more sustainable um and i think what that led us to is is realizing okay well why aren't women using sustainable options and and let's be honest you know things like menstrual cups reusable cloth pads they've been on the market for decades yeah but we could see from our own data because we were selling them that women just weren't buying them and the big thing that came back when we started investigating was the habit change was too big for women it was too much for women to go from using a tampon, which they'd used all their life, to a cup. It was just too big, too scary. Even though people wanted to, they just weren't willing to, to make that leap. And we thought, okay, well, right, that's what we've got to go after. We've got to look at a product that women are already comfortable using, the tampon, and let's make it more sustainable. And for us, the first thing that we wanted to attack was actually the plastic applicator, because that tampon applicator touches a woman's body for about two seconds and then it's thrown away. And this is something that can't be recycled because it's touched blood. Um, it can't be reused. It's single use. And mm -hmm. when you look at the data and see that women are using on average 11,000 of these in their lifetime, wow, a lot of tampon applicators, which are just going to waste when you multiply it by the amount of women that there are. And so we decided that we wanted to make the world's first reusable tampon applicator. And with that, we also wanted to offer the best tampons to go inside of it. And for that, it's organic cotton because it, it literally has come from the ground. It hasn't had any pesticides, any fragrances, any synthetics, all of which are found in, in standard tampons. And we wanted to, to offer women the best solution I'm aware that obviously there are other alternatives to tampons that women can use. And you mentioned the menstrual cup. I think we've definitely got a long way to go in terms of encouraging women or convincing women to completely change the lifestyle habits that they've been used to since they were teenagers. But I think this is really important because you've got the fear of things like toxic shock syndrome, which has been around for you know as long as 
you know, tampons have been available. So that's a worry that women have. There's the impact on the environment, which you've obviously just mentioned in terms of these products not being reusable or recyclable in any way. So I think there's a lot of important points that you touch on. What do you think needs to be done to get more women aware of the dangers of using the products that they're currently used to? Because you explain it in such a way that makes it seem really obvious why you should be switching to organic tampons. But what do you think is the disconnect between um, women in terms of getting this, just getting this information out there and getting them to understand that it's a really important decision that they probably need to make? Simply from the fact that this isn't generally a topic that traditionally has been discussed that much. If you take organic food, for example, so many people in this country alone are concerned with the type of food that they put in their mouth. So therefore they will not eat non-organic. Some people will, but some people won't eat certain items. But with our vaginas, we're not having that consideration at all. And that stems all the way back from when you're younger and you're not really taught to engage with this part of the body at all. You're not definitely when I first got my period, which was many, many years ago, it, it was a subject which was taught to us once at school, literally one lesson. I probably had my mum telling me about it once and then that was it. Apart from sort of asking friends to borrow a tampon, I never really talked about it again. And you know, that's bizarre for such an important area of your body to not really engage with it, to not really understand it. And thank God a lot has changed over the last few decades. And, you know, definitely with the rise of social media, even us as a company has noticed that this topic is coming out into the public more. Therefore, people are questioning what's going into their vaginas in terms of the products that they use. There's a whole range of of different uh, forums that you can go on and find out about this. The press are talking about it in different ways. And it's that topic of conversation which needs to come up. And then it means that we can talk about these things more openly because it's not, the importance about it is not just for periods. It's important in so many different areas. It's important in the way that, uh, women view their bodies, men view their bodies. You know, we work alongside some cancer charities, gynecological cancer charities, and, you know, shocking statistics about how low it is of people who go to get a smear test. And Mm. the major reason why they don't do that is because of embarrassment. And, you know, this is leading to cancer, which could be prevented so, so easily. I think you're right in saying that things are changing and people are starting to have these female conversations more openly. And it's not just about talking about embarrassing subjects. It's about our health and our well-being. And, you know, even with the smear tests and the cancer, it's about it's about people's lives. So it's quite I'm very interested in it, but I will admit that in terms of being environmentally conscious, that's not something I have always been. But personally, I've always had the worst periods, literally ever since I started having them. And I've been to, you know, I've been to doctors and, you know, over the years and and they've said, oh, take this and, you know, this is going to be good for you and go on the pill. And a lot of the time, 
these things are thrown at us as solutions and they're not necessarily solutions, not necessarily dealing with the problem. So I'm always interested in finding out about feminine hygiene products, whether they be pain relieving products or products that can just make my life easier at that time of the month. But yeah, I think it's definitely a good time to start speaking more about this and raising awareness about these sorts of things because historically we've always just had men create these solutions for women. And um, I'm not saying that that's a problem, but I think it's always a good idea to have a woman who experiences this part of this natural part of life and who understands it to be able to create solutions for other women. Completely. And it's, it's, going to what you said it's it's education you know as if you're just fed something and use products just because you're told to then you're not really addressing the problems that are happening in your body whereas if you're informed and you have the option to go and think okay right maybe the contraceptive pill isn't the right thing for my period pains maybe this treatment that you gave me isn't the right thing for my period pains you you know you can go out there and you'll have the option of looking at so many different solutions whereas previously because it's been such a taboo subject we have been too scared to look at anything else um and it's really exciting now that there are so many different companies out there offering so many different things which all again need people to go and look at them and make informed educated decisions you know you shouldn't blindly go down a route just cuz someone says it but it's 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 very exciting that now we're breaking away from this big monopoly of one or two companies who have dominated this space and now opening it up to so many different options, mostly like you said, which are created by women. As a new business or or a relatively kind of um, innovator in this space, how easy do you think it's been for you to kind of get funding, build awareness, to grow your your business? For instance, get in, in front of retailers and stockists. How easy has that kind of journey been for you? It's been really interesting. It's been because we had sort of essentially two different types of businesses because we pivoted halfway through to do these new products, you know, the sort of first half of it was really difficult. You know, the majority of um, investors out there, uh, as people call them, male, pale and stale, like really <laughs> old guys who just like literally don't get periods at all. And I want to talk about periods. Like it's, it's, I've been in so many excruciating meetings with people just not understanding the sort of basic anatomy of women. And, and that's been really difficult. But when we decided to do these new products, with the timing that we had, we suddenly found that it flipped and we suddenly had all the big retailers coming to us, wanting to stock the product. We had investors really pumped about what we were doing and we seemed to have sort of hit a stride. So I've had a really mixed bag of it, but yeah, definitely trying to fund early stage business ideas on a female product is really difficult. So it's an ongoing journey. Um, And I think for anyone else who is on that similar journey, keep going and believing in the vision that you created for your business, whether it's a female product or not. I think it's just, it's a difficult thing to do to create a solution, take a vision and push it forward almost from scratch. So I guess you saying that is, it's important to hear another, another woman in business say, actually, this is quite difficult. And it's something that I'm still working on because there's no such thing as an overnight success. And that's one of the key things that I always 
find when having conversations with different women about different areas of business and work and career and life. So I think that's important. What would you say, in your opinion, is the best and worst thing about being female? Really good question and really difficult to, <laughs> to answer. Definitely one of the best things is, is female friendships. Is that friendship between other women. I've got a group of really tight girlfriends and we meet up generally about once a month for a supper. Generally, someone cries at it. Generally, <laughs> other people like take the piss out of the other person or someone. And it's just, there's such a bond, a tight and close and supportive relationship, which is so powerful. And that I love because you have this rawness and this openness, which I know that from speaking to my husband, he doesn't have the same thing with his guy friends. And I think that's just such a, a wonderful, beautiful thing about being a woman. I, I agree. Guess the, the worst thing, I mean, the worst thing is obviously inequality. It's, it's like still having to bang on about the gender pay gap. Yeah. It's still that only 3% of rape cases end in conviction. It's still arguing that girls should be allowed to wear whatever they want and not have to fear for their safety because of it. You can go on and on and on. That's, you know, it, you just feel like you're a broken record. But, you know, there are, and also there are things that which kind of bridge the two. Like, you know, I've got kids. I'd say definitely childbirth is is one of the best and worst things about being a woman. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> falls in both categories, yeah, basically. At the same time. But, but no, like quite often, like a lot of, you know, a lot of the stuff which is the bad stuff only makes the good stuff better. Yeah. And I think I've always felt very kind of lucky to be in a society that has some degree of freedom of choice in terms of being able to be heard and being able to be you know, part of things, but I'm very conscious of the fact that there are so many parts of the world where women literally have no rights. And in, in comparison, we are actually very far ahead of the curve, even though we're still battling inequality, even though we're still having conversations about pay and, and things like that. So I think this is why it's important for me to raise awareness of women's issues. This is why it's important for me to almost encourage women to support each other from different walks of life because you know if we can reach people who are who are facing far bigger struggles in terms of equality then I think the work that we do in the western world can be very helpful in terms of allowing people or helping people to make strides in their societies when it comes to women's rights there's definitely a sense of wow yes you know there's a lot there's a lot of work to be done here but at the same time we're in a really good position to be able to raise awareness of these issues and to be able to fight for uh, women to be heard and to be I guess represented in, in in ways that are beneficial. Totally and like even taking the kind of the industry that I work in you know over here like I was saying you complain about the fact that periods are still a taboo you know people hide tampons up their sleeve when they go to the bathroom however you know if that's the worst thing that happens to us we're lucky because compare it to other countries where you know women aren't allowed to go into the kitchen or mm. when they've got a period or girls teenage girls are sent away for a week and have to sleep outside when they've got their period like with 
girls missing weeks of school when they've got their period. You know, it's just, it's mind blowing that like little simple things, which we take for granted just are so, uh, concerning to other people's lives in different countries. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's a good idea that, you know, we're starting to see the government talking about things like period poverty, because growing up and having a period, it's, it's part of life um, for a female. But unfortunately, it's not always as easy for certain people to access high, you know, good quality products or even products that are not very good for them, but they're still struggling to afford it. So I think those type of conversations are also helpful. Do you think, you know, do you think it's, do you think, do you see that as a good thing? Do you see that as something that is going to help people to have more open conversations about feminine hygiene in the future? Do you think period products need to be free? What, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the new government period poverty scheme is brilliant. And and we as the Dame were really proud to be included in the task force who are helping decide what products go in there. It's important for us to make sure that a whole range of products are available because it can't just be those big companies who hold monopolies putting in their product or other ones of lower quality. You know, we want that to open up that whole conversation because one of the toughest things we find is is our job is going out and changing people's habits so people who traditionally have used single-use products to try and show them that reusables are brilliant and you know end up saving you money and and all the rest of it but if you're going into schools and you're doing this you're not breaking any habits you're starting people off on such healthy brilliant habits from the get-go and yeah. so making that available to school children is really important. And essentially by the government putting their backing behind it, it, it is shining a spotlight on the topic as well. And meaning that there will be greater consideration around how we deal with this subject in schools, making sure, you know, one of our big asks is we want boys to be included in these conversations as well, because, you know, that has such a ripple effect into so many other areas of their lives. Yeah, it's, you know, the products are only a small part of this. Um, it, it is this wider issue around women's health, women's bodies, how they interact with it, how boys interact with it. And if you, you bring that into a learning space, then hopefully only good can come from it. Agreed. Have you ever been a victim of stereotyping as a woman in business or a woman at work? Is there any particular thing that you heard or that you seem to always come across? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, like in my twenties, I think I must've so many times, but then again, you know, it was when I was in my twenties, it was sort of before the whole me too movement. So therefore it was something that people kind of just put dealt up. with. Yeah. Yeah. You just put up it. And it was all it was all kind of like quite minor stuff as well. Like I'm nearly six foot and I've got quite a scowl, so therefore <laughs> that much. Um but but definitely since starting this business, yeah, I've I've seen it quite blatantly. And you know, I've had someone turn me down for funding because I've got kids. And you would wow. never say that. Like yeah. you wouldn't say, Father, sorry, I'm gonna turn you down. And the reason was is because they thought I'd be too distracted. And it was just, you know, that kind of attitude is mind blowing. But, you know, at the same yeah. time, when 
when you're kind of like doing your own business, you're just like, screw you. <laughs> I'm going to prove you wrong. And so yeah. the, the list of people that you want to prove wrong just gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. And that kind of motivates you to like smash all your goals really, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. And speaking of stereotypes in your twenties, how did you feel about turning 30? Was there ever a, and I always ask this question, this is kind of like my, you know, my common thread question that I ask everyone I interview. So yeah, so turning 30, it was a funny one. Like I don't think I put too much emphasis on it, but actually on reflection, it was a big turning point for me. So basically up until my twenties, I had basically resisted challenging myself that much. I'm a big worrier. Like I, you know, worry about the kind of the smallest little things yeah. and I, your kind of natural, positive, classic entrepreneur. Like I definitely, I sweat the small stuff. And, and therefore in my twenties, I very much always stayed within comfortable, comfortable confines that I could put myself in. Like I didn't want to, to push myself too far. And it was kind of when I turned 30, which was when I had my daughter, that I think sort of giving birth was such a massive shock <laughs> to me that I was just like, okay, well, what, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to achieve? And, yeah. and it was then that I realized I wanted to do something female-centric. Um, I did, wanted to do something that would help women. And, and it kind of kicked off from there. So actually that, that turning 30 point has been so different for me because over the last few years since I've been doing this business, I have challenged myself in so many different ways and realized that just the fact that I'm trying is such a big success for me because I used to hide away from it so much. And, and yeah, that, that means that my thirties therefore have been brilliant because I mean, they've been really tricky and they've been a lot of yeah. ups and downs. In essence, they've been, they've been good because I've actually for the first time in ages actually really, yeah, really challenged myself and pushed myself out there. That's a really good answer. <laughs> and I think um, I can definitely relate to being a warrior and being someone who was a bit afraid to kind of push myself and try different things when I was younger. But I think the biggest and best thing about that turning point is the mindset shift, the idea that you can do anything, the idea that you want to have a meaningful impact and you want what you do to help other, to help other women. And I think that's potentially one of the best things about reaching that life milestone yeah and for me definitely it wasn't like all those things it it wasn't it wasn't an immediate it was all incremental you know you have you try one thing you have like a small victory or a small success and then you feel a little bit more bold to try a new thing and it's yeah. all sort of slowly building up this new exterior and until suddenly you're, you look back and you're like, wow, I just did a lot of things that I wouldn't have done or wouldn't have thought I could do like a few years ago. Yeah. And it's like you're more productive because of that fearlessness and you kind of achieve so much in a short space of time. That's what I find. And um, yeah, I think it's definitely one of the good things about getting older as a woman. How would you define success if you had to try to shrink it into a, a sentence or a phrase? Oh, I don't know. I shrink it. <laughs> phrase. I've got a baby. There's no way I can shrink anything right now. 
Um, I, I mean, following on from what we've just been chatting about, I think for me, for me personally, my success is in direct response to effort. Like the things I feel most achievement from um, and feel success from is the ones where I've really tried. Things that come easily or are sort of stereotypically viewed by external people as a success often doesn't feel that way to me. Like, for example, we, um, when we were doing our business and, and decided that we wanted to launch these products, we uh, initially launched them on Kickstarter, which is a crowdfunding website. And because of the timing that we had, we launched this campaign like two months after David Attenborough had launched Blue Planet 2. So basically, suddenly the world's press were looking for stories on small businesses trying to make a change and reduce the plastic problem. And we were there. And so we got the most incredible amount of press. You know, we were trending on Twitter on the third day of our product. We ended up sort of hitting our target that day and overfunding by 300%. And it was all brilliant. And, you know, I've had a few people afterwards saying, you know, wow, that was amazing. That was brilliant. And yes, it was, but I don't feel like that was much of a success from us. We were lucky in our timing. Before then, the effort that we put into the product and the fact that we'd really done our research in, in trying to see the direction that the market was going, that to me, I can judge as a success. But, but the sort of the press and the, all the, the spotlight that we had on us, for me, that, that doesn't feel like a success, whereas other people might view it as. So you more value the process. Um, yeah, definitely and identifying kind of, okay, this is where the market's going and here's a strategy that we're going to use and how we're going to make the best of, of what we're experiencing. Well, I just think you can have, and you can have people in life who, who look like they've got all the successes in the world, but actually it's come easy for them and, you know, they, it just landed in their lap. And yeah, some people might, might view that, but for me, it's people who've, who've really worked at something in a meaningful yeah. way and then got success from it. I think that is just so impressive. Amazing. Okay. So just to recap then, Dame products include the organic tampon subscription. So this is a completely toxin-free tampon, a reusable applicator. So you can basically keep it and use it as many times as you like. Have I, have I sort of explained that right? I'm just for the benefit of anyone who's listening that is thinking, I, you know, I really want to maybe try, try some of these products out. Yeah, Where totally can they go for information? So they can come to more. our website, which is wearedame.co, or we also sell in Waitrose, in Boots, in Sainsbury's, uh, in Planet Organic. And yeah, the applicator, it's really sort of our, our sort of hero product. It's a world first. It has self-sanitizing technology in it. So you don't have to worry about the hygiene of it. It's a product which fits all different sizes of tampons. So it's literally, you just have to buy one and it works for everything. Mm-hmm. And it's a product for life. So you don't have to worry about buying more or it, it is reducing that 11,000 applicators that you would usually buy, condensing it down to one. And, and yeah, it's, and it really is making a meaningful impact because if you think of, if you try and pile up that massive pile of plastic, you know, that plastic's not going anywhere. Yeah. So reducing it down to this, this one applicator is making such a massive difference. Amazing. I can't wait to try the product. Really useful. I will be sharing with as many people as I, or as many women as I come across, 
now that I'm, I'm aware that it exists. So thank you so much for talking to me today. And I hope you have an amazing rest of the week. Thank you. You too. Have a brilliant week. Thanks, Celia. Total pleasure. If you liked this conversation, then let's continue online at 3030 Book. Tell a friend to tell her friend, because that's how wise words get heard. You can find out more on www.30over30.co.uk, and you can find me at Melissa with an A on Instagram. 